I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, Chaotic Normies. It's me, your friend Ryan, who will not be playing your favorite bard, Robert Grayson, in today's episode. I'm also not catching you at the end of the episode, so this is... A little bit of a uh, weird one. Uh, today we are celebrating one year of Chaotic Normal existing, and I just wanted to thank everyone out there for being a part of this so far. And it's been a it's been a blast and something I'm really proud of. And so, as a little celebration, a little thank you, we wanted to do something a little different, something we've had in the tank for a while that I wanted to share with all of you. This is a project we are calling Chaotic Normal Monster Hunters. It is not an episodic D&D like the Shattered Isles is. This is a uh, a kind of like a Monster of the Week type series that we will do every now and then. But uh, it is Graham as DM. Me, I will be playing uh, Pharaoh and Cameron, who plays Phil, as Doug. So, uh, yeah, we this was a campaign that we played uh, offline a long time ago, and we thought it would be cool to continue it, kind of pick up in media res, and just tag along with these two, um, well, monster hunters. So, I hope you guys enjoy, and thank you for one year, and I'll see you in a couple weeks for the continued adventures of the Shattered Isles. And, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do more of this. So, once again, thank you all seriously thank you all so so much for your support so until uh the next episode in a couple weeks bye bye the dwarf sat there in his chair uh counting his coins complaining about all the things in his life counting up every coin like counting every problem he had ever encountered he viewed most people as uh, as problems Ah, fucking rubella. Fix the hole in the wall. It's getting cold in here. I'm so cold. I love our house. It's so beautiful. I made it myself. Old Backham didn't get a say, single word about what his study looked like. And as he sat there, so absorbed in his miserly grumpiness, he failed to hear the sound scraping through his fireplace. There had been an, uh, an aftershock after the earthquake only a few days ago, and these, this subsequent aftershock had broken open a hole in the wall. He didn't take time to notice it. He was too busy counting up his little miseries. And so he didn't notice as that thing came moving out of the hole in this wall. Large, elongated, 
a great worm-like body with a a set of four tentacles at the tip of it, each hooked with a great, terrible, rending claw. He didn't notice it until it was already upon him. I hate these decoats. He screamed as it tore into him, rending flesh from bone, coiling about him. The suction cups on its tentacle, uh, or on, on its tentacles, tearing into his body, bruising him. And the last thing he su- felt was the terrible beak stabbing into his chest, rending out his heart. Ugh, ugh, I hate my wife. He was still alive when it dragged him through the room, pulling him back out and into its tunnel. His wife knocked on the door. Beckham! Beckham! Come on now! We've got to get to the dinner at the Bronze Goons! Our adventure begins tonight in a uh, cold mountain pass. Uh, it's the middle of, uh, or it's like late spring. The snow's unsettled, but still hangs on the uh, mountains. There hasn't been any fresh snowfall recently, but it's still all around you. The air is still cold up here in the mountains. And frankly, the this part of the mountains is not hospitable at all. Uh, it exists on a short mountain pass that, is short enough, no one should ever have to really stop here. There's a town to the north end that makes it for a good merchant or a good stop for an inn's inspect like enjoyable rest and pleasures. And on the south end, on the other side of the pass, there is another uh, city that's equipped for handling trade for with everyone north of the mountain. And everything about it seems to be a quick jaunt through the mountains and across. Well, unfortunately, about three days ago. Uh, while many people were making that regular trip, like merchants and travelers alike, were making a regular trip through these mountains, disaster struck. An earthquake rocked the mountains. The city below damaged, the town to the north damaged, but the uh, mountain pass itself suffered at the hand, or the worst at the hands of this earthquake. Rock slides and avalanches uh, came down upon the pass blocking the ability for people to leave back to the northern route and blocking the ability for anyone to leave to the southern route. Now, crews are working to clear these, uh, but of course, you know, there's not many mages available in that northern town, and those in the uh, southern city aren't really working super hard to try and clear this mountain pass until they're able to uh, get the payment they feel they deserve. So while the crew, while crew, like laborers and crews take their time to clear these passes, those travelers that weren't uh, hurt or harmed during the uh, avalanches and uh, uh, landslides found themselves sort of stuck on the pass. Now, they're not without any sort of uh, salvation. There is one village 
uh, up here in the mountains. It is a, or up in this pass. It is a literal hole in the ground, a dwarven village called Wormhole, uh, spelled W Y. R-M-H-O-L-E. Wormhole is so named as it is built in the ruins, or not ruins, it's built in the uh, hole left in the ground by a giant purple worm that dug through here over a hundred years ago. The worm, or so the legend holds, burst its way up through the ground, menaced around, looked to the north, looked to the south, and then withdrew itself back into the ground, having decided nowhere above the ground is worth living. That's at least the uh, story the dwarves tell themselves as they have built their home into the cliff sides of this wormhole. The hole stretches maybe uh, 60 feet across in diameter, and if someone stands on the precipice and looks down into wormhole, they see that it descends through hard stone, perhaps 100 feet, until it reaches a craggy bottom. Uh, there are small precipices and cliffs that kind of extend out a few feet, but the dwarven homes are actually carved into the uh, sides of this uh, wormhole, the 60-foot diameter hole. Uh, there is perhaps uh, 10 to 15 buildings is the equivalent of what's in here, although considering the nature of these buildings being carved literally into stone, each... Uh, area kind of serves its own clan steading, or each uh, structure carved in turns serves its own clan steading. Um, the people are densely communal here. There's not enough of them to not be. And uh, they have managed to make rope, rope and wood bridges that span across the diameter of the wormhole, basically acting as a network of latticework that connects, for example, the iron braids connect to the uh, Brawlden house. Uh, but they certainly there's no connection to the uh, to the uh, bronze hounds. Meanwhile, another bridge might connect the bronze hounds over to the uh, uh, the Thevgum estate, and then yet another one to the uh, Gerhurt estate. But then that one crosses back to the Iron Braid. So it's a networked latticework of rope and wood bridges that cross from these uh, small little cliff sides containing these dwarven structures built into the wall. <clears throat> This place is not well tourized. It's not a place that merchants bother to stop at because you can stop at the town to the north or the city to the south. It is a place that basically everyone has forgotten. It is rare that anyone stays there. And so with the sudden massive influx of refugees, it is not equipped to handle it. Uh, there is, well, the town normally boasts a population, or the village boasts a population of at most 50 to 60 dwarves. And now presently it is holding an additional 40 or so uh, humans and elves and even hill dwarves, or in a few cases dragonborn or gnomes and halflings and other rarer races to see in these regions. Um, this mix of refugees who were caught on the mountains that day and had nowhere else to turn but into wormhole have now wound up uh, camping either on the perimeter of the village or for those who can, they've taken uh, they've taken up uh, or they've managed to get a place or a bed inside one of the uh, the clan holds, the clan steadings here. And it just so happens that fate, ha or this earthquake, perhaps driven by fate, perhaps driven by narrative coincidence, uh, this uh, earthquake happened while two people, two uh, 
would-be heroes that have one, that in the past hunted monsters across the land, who once fought closely by each other's side against such terrible beasts as green dragons and dreaded onkegs, that these two people have found themselves in this mountain pass, camping there at the edge of Wormhole. These two people, these two hunters, they have not seen each other in years. After they uh, their business went south and they separated on, well, unclear but unsavory terms, these people haven't been in contact. And yet again, by uh, as if by fate, they found themselves suddenly pushed together in the heart of Wormhole. Those two uh, people that we're talking about, those two hunters, uh, are Doug Mosfist and Pharaoh Delrin. Doug, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I am going to be playing Douglas Knut Mosfist. Uh, when I created this character, I thought it was clever because if you put it together, his name is Donut Mosfist. Uh, that works in uh, typing. Yes. Um, <laughs> a little bit about him. Uh, Doug was raised in a dwarven circle uh, that revered the hills and the creatures in it. Um, but through coercion, he turned away from the lifestyle of his ancestors and became a city dwarf. Um, he's felt the call of the wild and the desire to return to his druidic lifestyle. Um, so years ago, he turned to monster hunting uh, as a way to continue his research goals, but from the field rather than a desk. Uh, and that allowed him to reconnect with the wilds and the magic of his father and father before him wonderful and then pharaoh delrin played by ryan tell us about you <clears throat> yes pharaoh delrin is a wood elf uh, a wood elf fighter slash rogue the roguish uh, skill he learned late in his monster hunting career <clears throat> uh he's kind of a short uh man with kind of tan skin and dark knotty uh, uh kind of dreaded um hair he wears um leather armor covered in seashells as well as an elven cloak and wears a curved elven longsword at his side as lo as well as his white um wood bow that with runes carved into it uh pharaoh belonged to a nomadic tribe of wood elves uh that roamed from uh basically following the elk across the plains and helped ferry them as well as worked with them to acquire meat. Um, it was on a fateful day when Pharaoh was out ranging um, and returned to his tribe to find that they had all been killed by an orcish raid. Pharaoh kind of uh, um, lost and uh, wanting to help decided to start monster hunting and um because that was what he was trained to do he was taught to be a, a hunter and a gatherer by his tribe and that he felt like that was the only way he knew how to live and uh eventually met up with doug on a i think it was the, an onkeg hunt was our first adventure together where we figured uh, we worked well together and then worked together for a while uh i think pharaoh finds himself uh, he probably uh, uh, is now kind of a mercenary uh, um, 
I, I, he probably found himself in this village protecting like a traveling merchant or something. Someone who was very uh, cheap, only wanted to hire one mercenary to protect him. And Pharaoh, not really knowing money that well, uh, was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it for 10 gold. Take you across the pass. Why not? Who cares? Money's money. Wonderful. And that merchant, uh, that was a man named Vid, Vin Corden, who uh, he is one of the few people that managed to get injured. Although uh, you've heard him telling people, oh, the rock slides came right on top of us. But you know, he actually injured himself before the rock slide hit and managed before even the earthquake by slipping on ice. I told him not to walk across it, but he would not listen. He is a stubborn old man. And then, uh, Doug, what brought you here? We've heard why Pharaoh wound up here, what fate brought him here, but how, why did Doug, why is Doug now trapped at Wormhole? Um, good question. Uh, maybe, so, um, Doug is continuing his extensive research into Craig Cats, maybe. So he got a beat, um, he's only seen one and fought one before, but, uh, didn't give him enough time to research and study the creature. Um, so he kind of want to get, wants to get a little bit more involved um, in understanding the beast and the place in which it lives, I suppose. So were you actually staying up here? Are you one of the few people who might have actually been taking up residence? You are a dwarf after all. One of the few people taking up residence here temporarily actually trying to be in Wormhole? Uh, yeah, I think it would be safe to say that Doug's probably been in Wormhole for maybe like a month kind of thing. All right, I like that. Um, so, Doug, you've already been in Wormhole, so you actually have an idea of kind of the family structure. It seems like the grudges between all the five clan holds, uh, it, it's almost impossible to track. Their grudge books stack high. Uh, many of them have filled up multiple grudge books and had to buy new grudge books uh, in order to start writing new grudges against each other. And this causes an ever-shifting pattern that's not even worth tracking. But what you do know is that the uh, richest of the... Uh, or is it there's five clan holds here, and then smaller group or like families who either act as uh, effectively vassal clans to those clans, or they you know like live in, in their households, like household guard-type situations, uh, or just like, hey, we happen to be your weavers. Um, or there's a few people who have like carved out their own small little holes. Um, but you know that uh, the, of those five families, the most influential of them is the Bronze Hounds. The Bronze Hounds were are by far the richest family in Wormhole. And the Bronze Hounds are known for being the only group with a family mine still active. Meaning they have a mine an active mine attached inside the caves in their household they use to burrow into the ground. Okay. Um, but the two of you haven't, or you might have spotted each other briefly as you've been crowded in here. Doug, you have heard of the refugees that have been coming and you've seen the, or the efforts of the five clans to come together to accommodate and afford these refugees. There's obviously not enough for the uh, like resources for them to suddenly uh, have enough to provide for everyone right away, but they are working to accommodate them. Some of the houses have brought people in, but 
there's not enough space to bring everyone in. So some tents, like leather and tents have been sent up uh, to help people have resources to stay out of the cold. You're fortunate that it's not storm season anymore. Um, Pharaoh, meanwhile, your merchant, his wagon is camped up above um, and uh, you have your ability to uh, sleep on a sleeping mat out under the stars. Pharaoh, you probably actually the first to realize that Doug is here. As you saw the uh, familiar wagon that Doug used to uh, used to drive around as part of Tidings Limited. Um, there is no beast of burden currently attached to it. That's likely been lowered down into one of the cavern-like stables beneath. But the, uh, the wagon isn't without mistake. Uh, the, Doug, has the symbol for the old company, Tidings Limited, been removed, or is it still there? Um, it's definitely still there, um, but the signet itself is still there, but the text for Tidings Limited has been removed. All right, so there's still a symbol there that shows you that certainly that belonged, that belonged at least to Doug Mosfist. Um, however, you likely wouldn't seek out Doug. You know, you had quite the falling out. Um, and in fact, you probably would have managed to avoid him your whole few days here in, uh, in, the, uh, in Wormhole before the pass is cleared if it weren't for the tragedies that followed. In the days that uh, came after that earthquake, there was a. Uh, there has been several aftershocks that have rocked and shaked the ground. Each time one happens, people freak out, terrified. Yet another quake. Will there be another avalanche? Uh, but each time they're small and short. Although Doug, you down below have heard complaints uh, from a few of the uh, clan holds that uh, these aftershocks are weakening their uh, structures and causing fissures to form in many homes throughout or many caverns throughout the uh, uh, wormhole sta- uh, steading? I guess it's a steading the wormhole steading and while that's not a space for monster hunters to get involved in the actual cry for your aid does come in when gossip starts to uh, bubble up that someone was found or that Two dwarves have gone missing from different families. And it finally comes to a head now as you find yourselves dug, uh, dug down in the uh, wor- er, in wormhole and Pharaoh, you doing one of the more regular runs down into wormhole to uh, fetch food or supplies. As you pass by one of the uh, carved into the wall, basically underground. Oh my God, what's the word for that? Fenced ring that you keep animals in livestock pens a pen a stable? i guess just up it's uh, not a stable there's a word for it uh put it in the comments uh, <laughs> get in the comments <laughs> all right uh you you pass by a or you're in the act of passing by this carved into the ground pen basically it's got a low stone wall high enough up that the hogs behind it can't get out, but it has a large open air piece carved into it to allow fresh air to get to the the hogs and to allow the uh, the bronze hounds, who's the purveyor of this hog kennel, uh, to be able to uh, auction off their materials, their hogs, to any uh, person who would be passing through here looking to buy hogs. And as you're walking along one of these like stunted wood, like wooden. Uh, palisades that's sticking out definitely meant for short people with lower center of gravity than pharaoh 
um, you are you suddenly you see there's a bit of a commotion going on inside the uh, pen. Uh, an angry-looking dwarven woman. She's young, uh, but you can tell from the amount of jewelry and the attire she's wearing that she is undoubtedly the matriarch of the Bronze Hound family. And she is clearly irate as she stands over the body of a mutilated hog. A few of the... Uh, the or someone stands next to her, a, a farmer likely, uh, leaning over it, trying to explain to her the situation. And she is next to shouting as uh, she starts saying this is enough of it it's time that we put a stop to this we can't have any more things dying first uh, first the Brenhel the Brendeln boy and now and the iron braid man and now my hogs they've killed one of my hogs you hear the farmer interrupt not just one hog I did a head count one's missing this one's been found dead uh, and again, the woman says, by the gods, by the iron and the gold and the silver, how dare they do this? Was it them up above? And she's clearly irate and shouting. Um, and then, you know, you can start to realize she's starting to accuse the refugees before an idea kind of hits her. And she says, no, I bet. By the gods. It's the worm, ain't it? That's it. I'm putting a bounty out. Anyone out there, spread the word, a bounty, 300 gold pieces to whoever brings me the head of this worm. And as you <clears> hear <throat> this offer for quite the sum of money going out uh, for what she believes to be a worm, uh, do either of you, uh, Pharaoh, you're passing by, Doug, who is probably all, like, already in the Bronze Hound estate, do either of you perk up at the opportunity? I think Pharaoh exits out of like the tavern overhearing this while like feeling his empty gold pouch. It's like, <clears throat> and he just kind of like saunters over to the, uh, to the fence and like leans up against it. Uh, Pharaoh, you lean up against it and uh bronze hound, uh, the, uh, or a matriarch bronze hound turns towards you with a suspicious eye. And she says, you you're a monster hunter. I guess you do got the look about you, she says as she studies you. What does your equipment look like? Uh, I have my white wood longbow with all the elven sigils carved into it. Curved elven longsword. My uh, cloak of elven kind and my mariner's studded leather armor. So oh, that's, that's got the uh, little fishies all over it, right? Uh, I think it's covered in seashells. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I look. I think I look like an adventurer. <laughs> um, she nods and says, or, and as she's nodding and saying that, realizing, okay, this man does have the look about her. She hasn't yet handed you the contract or described it to you. Uh, Doug, you've overheard this extensive offer of coin for a, mon- a monster hunt. Do you spring at the opportunity? Um, a part of me thinks that um, she would have, like, this is the Bronze Hounds, correct? Yeah. Yeah, maybe I've already talked to the Lady Bronze Hound. So Doug is like walking uh, walking up bookish, um, like talking to her under his breath, um, asking, at, like walks up to her. Um, I don't remember Doug's voice. Uh, 
well, have you heard? Have you heard from anyone yet? And he snaps, snaps the book shut, and he looks up, and Pharaoh's in front of him, and then he drops the book on the ground. The book hits the ground with a thud. Bronze Hound, not seeming to notice, says, "Well, you, a new adventurer, you'll be working with my resident monsterologist here. What was your name? Why am I a pirate now? What was your name?" <laughs> uh, I interrupt him. <laughs> By my beard, Pharaoh Delrin. <laughs> Doug Mossfist. I thought you were dead. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what Doug would say. Bronze <laughs> Hound get, does, doesn't give you a space to say anything, and she says, Well, you two know each other. Then have at it, then. Uh, Master Mossfist, when you find the worm's head, you bring it to me. 300 gold pieces will be yours to split with your uh, your work friend. Uh, and I've got to see someone about buying a pig and cashing in insurance. And she, uh, ha- she steps away in a huff, leaving the two of you alone. Master Mossfist, huh? <laughs> hey, keep, keep it down, fellow. I got a pretty good gig going on here. I can see that still obsessed with books. Uh, Doug picks it up and um, it's very clearly um, like some sort of monsterology book, but uh, it's very clear that the author's name on the front of it has been like scratched off and like forged over the top of it to say Doug Mossfist. Um, Just stealing someone's work? <laughs> He's, uh... Wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) Yeah. (gasps) Uh, Doug, in the past, has uh, taken credit for um, some of Pharaoh's hunts and really leveraged Pharaoh to become more successful within um, the academic circle uh, and among other monster hunters, so... And Pharaoh, you've, you're undoubtedly aware of this uh, theft of your uh, ability. How do you feel about it? Not great. <laughs> <laughs> it was never about the money, but the credit. I don't, tidings used to mean something. <laughs> do you like... Yeah, I don't know if... I don't even know how we would unpack it, but... Um, in the awkward silence, uh, Doug starts to um, cast a ritual to speak with animals. I want to talk to the boars that are in front of us. All right, Doug gets on his hands and knees, starts snorting like a pig at a couple uh, a couple hogs, <laughs> trying to wrestle up some information. Uh, Pharaoh, while Doug is doing the 10-minute ritual for that, what do you do? I mean, Pharaoh can't help but like chuckle a little bit seeing, <laughs> seeing Doug debase himself to talk to animals. Uh, I stop like three minutes in. And I'm like, what? What's so funny? What are you laughing about? Nothing. Nothing. It's I'll just go, like old times. Yeah, I'll go talk to people. I guess <laughs> there's a farmer still standing in the pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go talk to the farmer. <laughs> All right, well, we'll go with the farmer first because uh, Doug is snorting around on the ground trying to get pig info. Uh, and uh, as you approach him, the farmer, uh, a dwarf man with a large black beard, his hair pulled back into a greasy ponytail, he looks up at you, wringing his hat in his hands. Part of you wonders, why does an underground farmer need a sun hat? Anyways, he wrings the hat in his hands as he looks down at the dead boar at his feet, and he says, 
Hey, I've never seen something so terrible. I mean, look at it. And he points to all its various strange bruising and cuts and like there's a chunk of it missing. Oh, it looks like it died a terrible death. And yet so quick. We didn't heard them screaming or nothing. Yes, when did you find it? Oh, just a, this morning, like 20 minutes ago, just just after the sun rose. The oh, sun so rose is, about 30 minutes ago. So this is very recent. Yes, it is. I mean, you can still see blood pooling, and you look, and blood is indeed still pooling. Um, and they, is this the only pig that was found dead? This is the only one what's found dead, but, you know, I did a count. One's missing. That means somebody up and stole one of our hogs. What if they did this? He points down to the mutilated hog. Stole one and stabbed up this one. Just murdered the beast just for nothing. It's a wretched thing. Perhaps it was the same creature that did this, that stole the other pig. And this one was perhaps helping his friend and was killed in the defense of his friend Pig. It's a terrible thing for something like death to come between friends. Uh, uh to investigate the pig. <laughs> <laughs> the farmer uh, moves about trying to seem useful but feeling anxious and not knowing how to. Um, go ahead and make a medicine check as you look at the pig. Rut row. Oh, good for a stroll. 17 plus 2, 19. Wow, uh, Pharaoh, as you assess it, there's a few uh, interesting signs on this uh, hog. Its wounds seem to look like it had four deep gouge marks that seem to have almost wrapped around it. It's like two in its right side and then two on its left side, as if something curled around it to do these large uh, serrated hooked jabs of equal measure into its flanks. It then looks like uh, basically stretching out in a band from those strange hooked fang, like those hooked claws or whatever it was, there is bruising that looks not unlike you used to see on things that you and Doug, or monsters you and Doug killed uh, when he would kill it as an octopus, being a druid that he was. Um, so you recognize pretty quickly the signs of suction cups so as if something with suction cup laden tentacles stabbed these jagged serrated claws into this hog in four different locations and then the real thing that sends an oddity to it is the nature of at the heart of where those four claws stabbed is a small like chunk that's been taken out or an incision that's been cut out of it almost as if by a bird's beak so it looks as if this hog died swiftly, and it died due to being stabbed in these four locations, bruised from these suction cups, and having a piece of it torn out rapidly by a small beak at the center of these tentacles. Uh, <clears throat> with that medicine check, can I tell how it died? Did it die from like the trauma or blood loss? Uh, it seems as if the sheer force of, or the, it died incredibly quickly, and seems like it basically all of it happened immediately, and you soon after realize it looks like the trauma of basically being struck so fast broke its neck. So whatever it is, you conclude, is something with four tentacles and 
serrated hooks for its uh at the end of its tentacles and a large beak at the center of it by all accounts it sounds like an octopus a hooked octopus that killed this and you can be certain it was an ambush predator because of the uh swiftness of death for this hog Pharaoh's eyes kind of narrow as he looks at Doug, remembering how many times he turned into an octopus. Uh, but then I shake the thought out of my head. And then I'll, like, um, examine the wound further, like, take a dagger out of my pocket and, like, kind of press into it to see if there's any, like, lingering poison or something on the inside, maybe. Yeah, I'll let you make an investigation for that. Oh, that's not great. It's, uh investigation uh nine uh you can't tell if there's any signs of poison or like lingering like like leftover effects or tissues or anything like that it doesn't mean it's not there you just can't tell Mm -hmm. um you know doug might be better at this kind of thing and speaking of doug you turn back to the uh potential octopus boy uh who you turn back to the dwarf who at this point has his mannerisms of imitating the hogs has taken on an air of not imitation but almost a perfect performance perfect capture of it and by the end of that 10 minutes doug you understand the motions the hogs are making when they snort at you you understand hello the squiggle of their little tails the ruffle of their shoulders all of the body language seems to make sense it no longer feels to you like it's a bunch of animals rushing about it instead feels like people communicating and right now the message they're communicating is fear worry and anxiety as well as repulsion okay revulsion um how many pigs are in the pen boars the, i'm sorry the boar the pen's got about 10 more boars in it okay um i so had a dozen i pull from my my sack you know a piece of like hard cold bread um and I walk up uh, to the farmer and I'm like, uh, do, you, do you mind if I, you know, have a, can I talk to your pigs? Is that uh, okay? He, he looks up and he says, this ain't hard or all. There's just random hogs. They can be fed whatever and they can be talked to by whomever. And he, of course, is referencing hard or all, a dwarven town famous for its boar meat. Hi, uh, thank you. Um. I might go up to, you know, like, one that looks maybe the most anxious, and uh, I'm like, oh, hello, Uh, would you like some bread? I tear off a chunk. The pig looks up at you, and actually, let me see how intelligent pigs are. Not pig demon, just pig. (laughs) Oh, no, it's a pig demon. We found out already. We see that demon. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Wizards broke this game. Uh, for a beast, the boar is quite intelligent. Um, the uh, the pig looks or the boar looks up at you with a snort, and as it uh, as it snorts up at you, uh, you can tell that it is acquiescing indeed to the uh, to the bread, but is quite sorrowful about it. And it's clearly uh, like, uh, oh my gosh, what's the word? Uh, tr- it's eating out of sadness. Okay. It's, it's eating its feelings. Uh, maybe just through like the pig's mannerisms, and you know, as a druid, I, I kind of like try and calm it down. I, I pet it in the right spot, hit yeah, the I'll right edge. Animal handling with advantage because you speak its language, so you understand when it's saying, "Please don't do that." 
Okay. Yeah. It is a 14. Uh, you do manage to calm the boar. Uh, or the hog. It looks up at you and seems a little more uh, calmed down and seems to be showing genuine interest in the bread you've been feeding it. Okay. Um, it seems ready and able to communicate its message to you pretty clear, clearly if you had questions for it. Yeah, yeah. I take a bite out of the chunk of bread and I'm like, so uh, so what What happened? I can, I'm so sorry about uh, your, your friend, your lover, your brother. It's hard to say. Um, but uh, it, I, it sounds like someone's missing and this other one felt a terrible fate. Snort hollow and root grub. Snort hollow. He points to the dead one with his snout. Snort hollow. He tried to defend. He tried to defend root grub, but the big, big worm. It stopped him. It attacked Snort hollow. Big and hard. We all tried to stamp it. We tried, but it was too hard. Our little hooves couldn't hurt it. Snort hollow. He tried to gore it. And it killed him for it. But root grub, it did worse to root grub. It, it did the same, but dragged root grub away, brought him off, lo- left with root grub. I am so sorry. Can you tell me which way it went? Uh, the pig trots over to the other side of the pen, pointing to the like ledge, basically. Out in the open space, there from whence no uh, nothing that drops comes, out in that ever-ending abyss. You okay. realize the pigs have never been allowed to look over the cliffs, so they don't know that it stops like 100 feet down. Okay, so it is like very clearly the cliff. The next thing I was thinking like was to ask if the pig can like follow the scent, maybe? Uh, the pig, the hound, these don't seem to be truffle hounds, so he's not particularly good at his, uh, scent, but he could try. Um, uh, if you had a, uh, yeah, so, uh, he, like, snorts at the air and seems to not be able to in this space. My friend, should we do what's best for Root Grub? Would you like to come help me find him? Doug is already recruiting an animal. I'm so uh, sorry. I, okay, for the listeners, I am uh, formerly a summoner. Uh, I had a pet dog. I am absolutely obsessed with companions. Um, so we're if seen we, one, and you got yourself a pig companion. Fortunately, it has four HP. So uh, if you take it into combat, I get to get rid of it. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, Ryan, are you okay with this, or should I just? We could bag on this. If not, it's a good idea. Um, you turn towards the, uh, the farmer, because the pig seems to be eager for it. He wants to be, uh, okay. he, he wants the help, the chance to help. Um, uh, you try to, yeah. so you, do you just like let the boar out or do you talk to the farmer? Uh, I talk to the farmer. Is he, um, does he work for, um, this, this family, the, the Brontowns? Yeah, so you've you've seen him around before, Holrim uh, Holrim uh, Fubrarek. Uh, he is a uh, he is a farmer here, and he lives in the uh, Bronzehound estate. But he's not by blood related to the Bronzehounds. He has his own family and like small connections. Okay, maybe I actually just start to open the pen. And I say, uh, "Hey, Fulgrim, uh, 
if the lady asks, I'm I'm borrowing this one. It's going to help me find the other one. Holrim holds his hand and says, oh, "No, not not so fast. You can't do that. It's it's three gold pieces for a boar. I've already lost two. I can't let you just be taking one out, Master Mosfist." She's got to take it out of my pay. Why are you jamming me up? Uh, I need a deception or persuasion. Well, uh, she is. Yeah, like out of the 300, I'm going to take it out of Pharaoh's cut, obviously, and not tell him. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to make an intimidation as you're kind of not threatening him, but like fast talking him. Okay, uh, 13. Let's compare that to how mean Bronze Hound is when she told him don't let it lose any more pigs. Uh, he kind of frets, trying to worry, and decides, you're right, that's probably going to work the best. Um, and he does not stop you from taking this boar out. So, Pharaoh, you've not managed to find any signs of poison or anything, but you've turned to see Doug arguing with the farmer over a pig and starting to walk out with it. I guess. <laughs> I whistle at Pharaoh. <laughs> Come on, boy! Uh-huh. Yeah, Pharaoh follows. Uh, I'm going to find out how well the pig can do at tracking. Um, the pig makes a uh, or begins to track, and uh, it snorts around in the air uh, and follows to one direction and then to another, getting out to the uh, rickety. Uh, it's quite high quality. It's dwarven made, but the narrow. Uh, wooden palisade and as it gets there the pig suddenly stops and uh, looking up to Doug it communicates up to you if I take one more step it'll be the farthest from the pen I've ever gone (laughs) (laughs) what's the the accurate response to this what did Frodo say to Sam what did Bobo say to Bam (laughs) Uh, like trust me I think (laughs) (laughs) trust me then takes the the hog then takes a step out onto the palisade turns back to you and says if i take one more step it's the farthest i've ever been all right buddy we don't have much time i can only we can only speak for so long so uh i i throw some more bread in front of him as you try to explain that you discover the hog is no concept of time uh but it still engages in the activity um it sniffs at the air searching around and starts it walks towards the edge of the palisade with no, like it doesn't go left or right along the wooden palisade straight to the cliff. He holds out his nose and then snorts down to the ground, like as if looking for truffles. And as he snorts around on the ground, he then uh, looks up to you and communicates up to you that whatever it was, it went over the edge here where he's pretty confident. If he used to walk, he'll fall. All right, Pharaoh. Uh, our little friend here says it's the wire. Came and took his buddy. So, you brought another animal, a helpless animal companion to come die with us, huh? You know what? I knew you were here. I smelt you before I saw you. And I'm not getting into this right now. This is just like old times. You can't even enjoy the moment. Let's get this over with and get our 300 gold. Mm. (laughs) Would I have a climber's kit with me? Uh, not on you. Okay. Uh, you might have it one up in your wagon. You okay. reasonably have one in your wagon. All right. Uh, Pharaoh, I got a climber's kit in my wagon. We'll lower the pig down. We're not bringing the pig. 
What do you mean we're not lowering the pig? We know we can follow a trail from the cliff. It's not... The pig is... It's... <sighs> All right, let's... Fine, we'll go to my wagon. Uh, let's put the pig back in the pen. Maybe this was a bad idea. So speaking to Pharaoh's idea, you look beneath the wooden palisade and you realize about 20 feet below you, uh, there is a small, one of the stone cliffs that stretches out that happens to belong to the uh, to the Iron Braid uh, state. Um, so you're currently at the Bronze, uh, Bronze Hound estate and basically a tier below it uh, is the a thin cliff that is the Iron Braid Estate. Now, you can reach there by wooden walkways, but it's going to take like 30 minutes. Nah, it's probably like 15 minutes because of the nature of having to uh, cross by one bridge to another and then accessing through um, like different estates. Or you could go all the way to the top and take their private route. It's a wooden palisade crossing down until it reaches their uh, front door. And the, the Iron Braids, they had a man disappear, right? One of their family members? Yeah, one of the Iron Braids uh, family members disappeared yesterday. Okay. Um, maybe I explain that to Pharaoh just since I'm, I kind of have a lay of the land, some streetwise. You, so what do you think? We could go up to the Palisades or we could kind of, you know, pop down this way or, you know, catch a beat on the Iron Braids, see if they could give us a little more information on this thing. What do you want to do? Yes, I think talking to people that have been affected by this might earn us a little more information. Oh, you don't think my pig was a good idea then, huh? Gotta talk to people now. Old Pharaoh, Pharaoh used to never say a word. Now he's got to chit-chat with everyone in town. Sure, lead the way, Pharaoh. Can you at least take the pig back to its pen? (laughs) Um, I look down at the pig. My friend... If you take two steps back that way, it'll be a little bit closer to home than you've ever been before. Uh, the, I slap uh, it on the ass. Now get! <laughs> he rushes back into the pen. The farmer is grateful uh, and seals the pen up behind it. You're out one pick. Um, so are you descending down, or are you going to go uh, to the iron braids, or are you going to go get that climber's kit? Let's go to the iron braids. Yeah. Um, All right, it's this way, Pharaoh. Here, come, come here. You got to walk on this side of the cavern. It's a uh, lattice work of paths you end up taking before you find yourself before the large uh, metal doors that make up the Iron Braids, big enough to welcome the giant, as is the dwarven tradition, standing near fifteen feet tall. Uh, these immaculately carved doors uh, open up to a. Uh, a ledge that's maybe only three feet wide so it's the doors open up far wider than the ledge actually is you wonder for a moment at what machinations they use to close these once they're out so far um but grabbing at the large knockers you uh you rasp against them they're shaped like dragon's heads with rings in their teeth and you rasp against the heavy iron door and it echoes throughout all of uh all of the wormhole, an incredibly ostentatious knocker that alerts everyone throughout the wormhole that the Iron Braids have a visitor. Um, and as you rap against this door, soon enough, a uh, sad-looking woman, a dwarven woman, opens the door. Uh, it's clear that her eyes are puffy from tears. She has a handkerchief to her nose. And she says, oh, hello. Are you from the coroner? No. 
I sent for a coroner up from the city. Are you not from the city? No. <laughs> Doug sighs for a second and steps past Pharaoh. Hi, <laughs> uh, madam. My condolences. Uh, you know, we, we came to get a little bit more information. We're, we're hoping to hunt the beast that did this to your man. And I, oh. uh, I, I, pull, um, I pull a stone from my pocket and I say, You boil this 350 degrees for 40 minutes. It'll be the tastiest treat you'll ever have. I'm so sorry. Thank you for your kind words. She looks down at the stone, unsure of it, but being a dwarf, she'd probably eat stones, so she doesn't doubt it. Um, and uh, then looks at you through a sob and a large blow of her nose. She says, What do you mean the beast that did it? You think it's a beast that took my dearest, uh, my dearest Bookum? You know, I'm beginning to think these earthquakes aren't a coincidence. And then the the CSI Miami noise plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't almost, even make a pun. <laughs> almost on cue, uh, suddenly the ground trembles as you're still on that three foot uh, like cliff that sticks out uh, below, and you hear a dwarf above shout, "Aftershock! Get to your cover!" And you hear screams from up above the wormhole as the people who aren't used to uh, these earthquakes at this point uh, scream about doors slam shut, and then they fly wildly open, shutters banging. The two of you find yourself sort of caught on the uh, edge of this uh, cliff, and uh, I need you're, it's about a 50 foot drop still to the bottom of wormhole beyond. I need from both of you a DC 10 dexterity saving throw less, sorry, strength saving throw to keep your footing or else oh, you God. plummet. Feels uh, bad, man. Four. Eleven and four. Uh, oh, actually, I lied. It is a dex th saving throw according to the earthquake spell. So twelve. Twenty. Can I can I tackle uh, Miss Ironbraid? Miss Ironbraid, get down! Uh, you tackle her forward and try to draw her down. She cries out, "Oh!" As you push her to the ground, uh, Pharaoh, you manage to keep your footing. Just uh, like there's a moment where you're up in the air, but then you're like on one toe. You lean yourself back forward onto the edge. The afterquake uh, subsides, or the aftershock subsides, and you hear some people shouting out, "Everyone okay?" And they're doing roll calls and houses to make sure no one's wounded. Uh, Miss Ironbraid stamps her foot. Er, the widow Iron Braid stamps her foot and says, It's bloody terrible. Oh, all these aftershocks. And look what it's done to my home. She points to the wall where a newly opened fissure has cracked forward. Only a few inches in width, but it looks like it goes deep as it cracks into her wall. They're shaking the very foundation of my family home. Um. Do you mind if I take a look? At the at the foundation? Are you a are you a mason? I'm something of a wood woodworker, yes. I've never known a wood elf to know stone. Curious. Well, actually, no, I I am I forgot I'm proficient in carpenter's tools too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, I am something of a carpenter. Um, so you see her walls are like hard stone, 
Um, and, uh, like, you know, it's all carved from the natural stones. It's a pretty deep fissure as the two of you kind of inspect it and look at it. Um, make a perception check as you look at it. Can I assist him with stone cunning? Is stone cunning still a dwarf thing? He, this dwarf, because he's a traditionalist. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, I realized I only have a knowledge of the, uh, of dwarves from the play test of fifth edition for some reason oh yeah stone yeah. cutting there yeah i'll let you uh oh you add like you kind of clue him in you can give him advantage for that okay uh 18 plus 8 26 wow what stands out to you pharaoh is you kind of look in the hole and lean in is you feel a slight gust of air coming out of it, and your elven eye, with its great accuracy and its in, a, in its ability to avoid seeing the curvature of the earth, um, as you look in, you see. Isn't that a thing in Tolkien that they their eyes don't suffer the curvature of the earth? Maybe. I think it's a thing. That's how like Legolas is like. Yes, they're three days ahead of us, and he just sees them three days ahead of oh, them. Yeah. Well, um, and our, our world is a scroll, so there is no curve. That's true. Well, there's a curl, uh, curve. It just folds back inwards on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the great rolling cliffs. <laughs> oh my god, there's no curvature. Um, I done goofed up from a physics perspective. Um, you look through the uh, hole and you realize that on the... Uh, it looks like there's about two or three feet of stone here. And then almost another cavern on the other side of that stone. And this fissure basically cracked a very thin opening between the household and the cavern behind it. I think we have our way in. Uh, Miss Miss Ironbraid, uh, do you mind if we destroy your wall? What? This is my family home for generations, which means a lot for a dwarf. That's well, actually not true because it was only a hundred years ago that the worm. This is my private manor house that I designed by my own accord. Everything is exactly how me and Bukum wanted it. Well, in that case, did you know about this chamber through here? Chamber? She looks. She pokes her large eye up to it. I don't. I need glasses. Oh, Pukum was always the one who looked at things. Do you have some? Can I go get them for you? I don't have any. I don't... I trust you there's a chamber back there. Would you mind if we investigate? Uh, She pauses around. She says, it's only the cracks but a few inches. How could you possibly investigate? Oh, was it literally... I thought... I thought it was like I thought you said three feet, not three inches. No, like three inches wide. Oh, okay. I thought three feet also. Yeah, I don't know why. Okay, so maybe it's, oh, it's, it's three feet. Wall. It's three feet deep through the stone, but uh, it's okay. three inches wide. Okay. Um, uh, Pharaoh, you know we could do like old times. I could, uh, you know, turn you and I into maybe ants. We could crawl in there. How do then... you turn me into an ant? I have polymorph now. I think I can turn oh, into an ant with polymorph. You can. That's dope. Yeah. Uh, you know, you were always such a stickler about, you know, changing forms and this and that, and just throwing it out there. If not, we could. I could get my climber's kit. We could go down the old-fashioned way. We could get the pig. We could lower the pig down. Are you gonna use the turn the pig into a ant too? <laughs> Don't give it my ideas. <laughs> 
You, I, you remember, I was never one for climbing. Uh, yeah, I'll. Yeah, turn me. Don't turn me into anything unnatural. <laughs> what do you, you want to be? An ant? You want to be a rat? What do you want to be? <clears throat> I think Could a, a mouse. A, a mouse would be fine. Okay. Um, uh, I'm trying to wonder if this lady will freak out. Uh, ma'am, uh, I'm going to do some magic. I don't want you to be alarmed, but we're going to climb on in there, uh, see what we can come up with. You give her a warning so you don't just spontaneously <clears throat> turn to rats in front of her and squiggle through a crack in the wall. Yeah. Uh, and that's sufficient to make her not freak out. Good on you for remembering that not everyone's used to people turning into rats and squiggling through walls. <laughs> okay. Um, so I will polymorph Pharaoh if he is willing to be polymorphed into a mouse. I am. Uh, I do that thing. Turn him into a T-Rex. Do it. And then uh, I, right. I lift him up and put him against the crack. When all he's right. in the palm of my hand, I think for a second. Just one squeeze and it would all be over. <laughs> no, it, one squeeze and he would expand into full pharaoh in your hand. <laughs> uh, you hold him up to the crack and it doesn't like stretch all the way to the ground. So you let him in and he squiggles his way in. It's tight, but not so tight that a mouse can't squeeze its way through. Pharaoh, you're a little mousy body uh shuffles on through and as you're going you hear the sound of doug turning into a little mouse and jumping on in uh yeah maybe i ask um lady ironbread hey miss i'm gonna turn into a mouse too can you pick me up and put me in the hole such marvels of course (laughs) okay i do that thing all right, you both turn into mice, and I'll pull up the rules for mice guard or mouse guard because I guess we're playing mouse guard now, <laughs> uh, which actually is a very cool rule set, and I'd like to try it one day. Uh, but you uh, you step it through the crack, the uh, the iron braid woman helping you in, while Pharaoh shuffles his way out the other side, and the two of you find yourselves emerging into a immense cavern. It towers high above you, like just it towers like just like probably eight hundred times your height above you. The path away from you, it's easily like probably I think that best it'd be like five hundred times your uh, width uh, away from you, and it goes almost endlessly down the hall to the left, and uh, yeah, stretches out as a seemingly endless tunnel. You then orient yourselves, realizing that you're mice and the tunnel is probably six to eight feet high and only about four or five feet wide (laughs) six Um, to five feet high four to five feet wide so we could kind of fit in here do you want if you did people you could fit in here do you want to mice it up or should i break concentration he has still uh oh speak with animals is gone now so you yeah you've ceased but i can't communicate but i'm just wondering at a character Oh, yeah, he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> uh, there's a mouse shuffling in front of you as you trying to squeak at the mouse and then realize you don't have a... I, uh, I shift back out and then I drop concentration so we uh, <sighs> revert size. <sighs> there's a brief moment where you both look like Pinky and the brain, though, and I need to know <laughs> who is the brain and who is Pinky. Um. I'm Pinky. 
That was noble of you. Thank you. <laughs> the two mice uh, turn into an elf and a dwarf. Um, an elf and a dwarf are stuck in a tunnel. Um, it's cramped and tight and not comfortable. Doug is a dwarf. You feel comfortable. Pharaoh, as a wood elf, you feel uh, crushing claustrophobia. Um, <laughs> I felt better as the mouse. <laughs> You explore this cavern, um, or you start to, but I wonder, do you draw your weapons before you explore a cavern? Uh, I'll pull out my longsword, but also I, I'll kind of scout ahead a little bit and yeah. be stealthy. Um, I'll don my shield, and yes. All right, I need a stealth check from you, uh, Pharaoh. <laughs> Cloak of Elvenkind, baby. Uh, that's going to be... Oh, that's a crit, so 30. Uh, no, you lost your Cloak of Elvenkind off-screen because I don't want you to have it. Uh, <laughs> Alright, so 30. Um, yes. And then what's your passive perception? Uh, 18. Oh my god, you incredible person. I'm a monster hunter. I'm built, I'm built for this. I'm built different. <laughs> You're built different. <laughs> Alright, you uh, you keep a keen eye out as you uh, head on ahead. Uh, fair, or Doug's behind you putting his shield on and getting... Uh, do you wield anything in your primary hand, Doug? Um, no, Doug is very weak. He doesn't carry a dagger. Um, he used to carry a quarterstaff, but even now um, he's switched. He has a shield and a U wand. So he has his wand at his side, too. But it's not like out. Yeah. All right. And then, Pharaoh, you said you have your bow out in this tight quarters, or are you no, sorting my, it up? I have my elven longsword in my right hand. No shield. Okay. Um, you skulk forward nimbly with a, not a, without a sound as you move with a 20, or a nat 20 and a 30. Um, you move seamlessly across the stone, not a single sound of leather touching the ground from your boots. Doug moves behind you at a louder pace, um, but you also are keeping a keen eye out. This tunnel is not, it's clearly not a uh, mined out tunnel. Uh, sorry, no, it's clearly not a natural tunnel. It is distinctly an old mine from the way it's been carved. You can see the uh, etch marks of where countless uh, picks have dug in and created, um, or have dug in and created like little corners and chasms. You can see exploratory routes where they searched for a node of iron or something, but then quickly abandoned it. Uh, it's done in the dwarven fashion, so it's very efficient, but it is not a finished mine. It is a mine that was used slightly and then abandoned um and as you're moving across it you realize how quickly it would be to get lost within this mine hidden behind the uh hidden behind the iron braid estate that is because it is as i said dwarven style so it's like a grid cross mining if anyone's ever uh strip mined in minecraft they understand this format uh every corner seems to look exactly the same as the corner before it and worse, the nature of dwarven picks cutting so deeply and quickly and dwarves not needing to dig out the whole area caused them to do testing strikes everywhere, which results in countless little pockets in the stone that basically absorb all sound. You actually realize as you're about 10 feet away from Doug around a corner that if you were to talk, he couldn't hear you. The sound waves would not reach there. And it is as you move or move into this uh, mine finding this tunnel or like finding this expands into another tunnel but that one seems to be collapsed so you keep going down another path finding that one to be collapsed but using chalk or something to keep a careful mark of where you walk that 
you become aware that, uh, just barely Pharaoh, you become aware that something is following you. Hidden amongst those niches in the cave, um, or like in the small cracks and crags, hiding behind newly formed stalactites, something on the ceiling has been following you, and is currently located between you and Doug. You realize also there are small little shoots, big enough for like a dwarf that's actively mining to crawl through, but not big enough for uh, like a person to easily walk through. And these little tunnels and shoots basically cover the walls and the ceiling. And you realize something is on the ceiling. You can't quite make out where it is, but you've heard those scrapings of its feet, or not of its feet, but those scrapings of it moving across the stone, slight indicators. And you and Doug are maybe 30 feet away from each other in this mine. You realize basically 15 feet from both of you, there is something hiding in the stone. Like on the stone ceiling behind stalactites and in those little tunnels. What do you do, Pharaoh? Pharaoh kind of like stops in the middle of the hallway and I'll like kneel down on the ground as if I'm like picking something up or looking at something and I'll wait for Doug to catch up to me. All right, Doug, you start catching up your shield out as you're moving towards Pharaoh when suddenly a creature drops from the Shit. ceiling. Uh, Doug, what is your passive perception? It is... Why? Oh, 16. Sorry. 16. All right, so Doug, you don't notice the thing, so you can't act in the surprise round. Pharaoh, you can act in the surprise round. I need initiative from both of you. Using Doug as fucking bait. Uh, 20. No, I was going to do something cool, but never. <laughs> it's an ambush stalker. Um, boo, 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 boo. You said 20? Yes. All right. A monster drops down from the ceiling. A large tube-like worm body near, uh, nearly 12 or 15 feet long as it falls down on top of Doug and immediately lunges into him. Doug, its tail crashes down onto you, striking against you for 20 to hit. Tis a hit. Uh, Doug, you cry out as it's as it strikes, or like the surprise attack striking into you for ooh, what is that? Eleven plus four, fifteen bludgeoning damage. And then before you even have a chance to react, it suddenly it wheels on you. Its face made of great tentacles, barbed at the end and suction cupped, wrapping around you. Its like claws at the end of it. Those uh, those barbed tentacles wrapping and striking into you for twenty three to hit. That's it. Uh, Doug, you take 4, 10, 17, 22 plus 4, 26 slashing damage as those uh, large claw or like large claws at the end of the tentacles tear your side open, and then a beak like a bird's that's centered at the heart of this thing's tentacles snaps down onto you. Uh, but just fortunately, you managed to throw the shield up, and it only gets a 12 to hit, biting against the shield with this beak that was trying to poke or tear a chunk out of you. Uh, Pharaoh, you've just seen this drop down on top of Doug. Um, and actually, it's not going to attempt, or yeah, it's not even going to attempt its bonus action right now because that's bad for it right now. Uh, Pharaoh, what do you do? Uh, I'll stab my open longsword in the ground and then swing my bow over my shoulder Dope. draw two arrows and in the same shot shoot both of them alright super cool not great uh, 16 to hit and 13 to hit 
the arrows thud off the dense hide of this creature. It seems as if it has very high AC, and you wonder how much damage your arrows would do even if they had pierced its skin. All action surge. All right. And then shoot, shoot two more times. Okay, this time that's 25 to hit and 24 to hit. Both of those are hits. The arrows sink in. Um, The first one, I'm going to use a grasping arrow on it. Grasp me. Uh, So it takes an extra 2d6 poison damage and its speed is reduced by 10 feet. And it takes 2d6 slashing damage the first time on each of its turns that it moves one foot or more. All right. Uh, So first, just the arrow damage with my d6 sneak attack. That's going to be 11 plus 4 for uh, 15 piercing damage. 7 piercing damage. And then 10 poison damage. Zero damage. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the arrow stabs into it, the poison seeming to do nothing against its, uh, its, uh, oh, sorry, five poison damage. The Thank poison you. seeming to do less against it, the arrow seeming to do not much at all. Uh, it seems as if, even though you penetrated its hide, you didn't cut very deep. However, uh, despite this, this creature thrashes in response to being wounded as its reaction and makes a tail attack against all creatures within reach. That's mostly Doug right now, because uh, Doug, you're still about 15 feet away from it, Pharaoh. Um, actually, no, you're at the, probably within 10 feet. It's thrashing against both of you. Doug, nine to hit. Pharaoh, critical to hit. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's a hit. You take 4d6, so was that 10, 12 plus he takes 16 bludgeoning damage as his tail slams into you. Doug, uh, you're, your surprise is over. You're still probably surprised because a uh, monster, like a worm with tentacles on its face and a beak and these hooked barbs just dropped onto you. And it looked, and as you look at its face now that's like biting into your uh, shield as its tail thrashes wildly, you cannot make out the eyes on this creature. They are so small, it's hard to even tell where this thing's eyeless face is. Uh, what do you do? So are we in a, we're in the five foot tunnel. You are in the five foot tunnel. And Uh, it's tunnel both directions, correct? Yeah. And you're maybe 30 feet. Like you realize based on the motion you've taken, you could probably, if you moved and dashed, escape the tunnel or get back to that crack that you uh, had. um, Okay. I don't want to do that. Um, I want to move away from it, like towards Pharaoh. So All right, it's, so, so Pharaoh and I are like say to the right of it, and it's to the left of us. Okay. And I'll take the opportunity attack. Uh, um, it you it actually has ten foot reach. So if you run to Pharaoh, you do not, and also it just uses its reaction to thrash, so it does not have any attacks of opportunity uh, right now. Oh, perfect. Then I'm going to run fifteen feet past. I'm going to run max distance, twenty five feet. All right, uh, um, you get to basically the end of the tunnel. So you realize if you move any further. You're basically going around the corner where you can't see it. Perfect. Um, not to like fall into the abyss, correct? Or is there an abyss that I would fall into? There isn't yet here an abyss, but this is a mine running aimlessly around a mine could easily topple you into a pit. Okay. Um, I'm going to cast third level flaming sphere, 60 feet. Dope. I'm going to cast it behind the monster. And then I'll use my bonus action to ram the sphere 
into the back side of it. Um, DC 14 dex save. DC 14 dex save, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you conjure that behind it? Yes. All right, uh, the creature is not super dexterous. I got a nine. Perfect. Uh, It takes 16 damage. You see it actually takes 32 damage as it is vulnerable to fire. Okay. Uh, The creature cries out as you do that um, and then uses a legendary action to... uh, Fuck. uh, uh, This creature uses its legendary action, crying out as the fire burns onto it. And do you say it cannot move or its move speed is reduced? Uh, Uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, for mine, it can move, but for every one foot of movement, it takes 2d6 uh, piercing damage. For every one foot oh, of no. movement? Each time it moves one foot or more. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, go ahead and deal that damage because it's suddenly, uh, or it thrashing out in burning pain, it turns and moving with an alien like grace as it fits itself into a tunnel that feels like it should be too small for the creature and worms itself away into that tunnel. How much damage does it take? Three slashing damage. And is that... Yeah, it's three slashing damage, so... Alright, um, and then... So the thing suddenly moves itself into one of those small tunnels that basically is too small for a man to walk in, like, smaller than these five-foot tunnels that pockmark this place. Um, and, uh... Do we want to chase it? Can I run to the tunnel and... St- can I still see it through it? I can shift my sphere 60 feet. So I wonder if, like, I can pass the sphere 60 feet in front of me through the crack. Yeah, here one second. Um, yes, because Pharaoh slowed down its move speed, you rush off after the thing, trying to, uh, basically trying to find... Ah. Yeah, you rush off after the thing, trying to uh, chase after it because um, it actually, or yeah, you, you've actually already used your movement, so it's going to get a turn before you can do that, because that was a legendary action. So you go to move after it. Uh, the creature continues to squirm its way, or itself away, moving through these tunnels that you can't seem to access due to the, uh, basically being too small as it moves itself, disappearing for your from your line of sight. You hear it squishing its way through the uh, stone, but you're unsure of where it is, and then suddenly any sound of it disappears. Uh, Pharaoh, uh, do you want to go look into that hole that it squirmed through? Yeah, I'll go take a look. Alright, uh, Pharaoh, you go to look, and as you make a perception check as you gaze down through that hole. God damn, uh, you're not going to believe me, but that's a crit. <laughs> Uh, you can hear that is somewhere off in this labyrinthine uh, tiny little holes that are like tiny little tunnels of or holes and tunnels that pockmark the walls and seem to clear cut it as if some acid at one point burrowed through all of the stone here or small rock eating worms or something burrowed its way through this mine at some point in the not so recent past remarkably though and of note it looks like this thing isn't burrowing its own tunnels. Instead, it is using tunnels that were already there. Um, but it does not... You can hear it somewhere in there, but you cannot see it, Pharaoh. And how narrow is the tunnel? Uh, you could squeeze... Like, a dwarf would squeeze to fit in there. Uh, it seems as if this creature has a trait that makes it to where it can move fine, even though it's squeezing with an alien ability to push its body in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for you, you'd 
have disadvantage trying to squeeze in there on any attacks or ability checks. Yeah, that seems like a bad idea. I think perhaps we should find where it lairs in here. It seemed your fire was very effective against it. Aye. Alright, should we go forward or backward? What are you thinking? So making no attempt to pursue it then in the short term? Not in the short term. I think we gotta kind of figure out what this thing is and maybe take advantage of our environment in some way against it. So I, I just want to confirm, like, I can't throw, like, just shot in the dark, throw my uh, so you flaming do... sphere down there, and if it makes noise or if we can hear it wrestling. So you can move the flaming sphere up to 30 feet. So you start moving it around in there. Um, but it seems as if the creature has likely exited this region once you scorched it. And basically you scared it into uh, not wanting to fight you because you did like 32 fire damage in one hit and the thing freaked out. Okay. I could wild shape and go in there too, but I don't know. I don't think you should go alone. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, actually, Pharaoh, it does take another 2d6 from you. Granted, it's far away. Um, What's the DC for it to break out of that? It's just a DC 13 strength as an action. All right, so it did break out on its next turn, but uh, you dealt some damage to it. Uh, Eight piercing. Which matters because creatures also have hit dice. Um, Cool. Uh, So you, you, the thing managed to escape you, but you uh, look at Doug, who's bloodied, and uh, the creature has escaped somewhere into the tunnels, but you got a very good look at it. Uh, Pharaoh, based on the uh, tentacles and suction cups and hooked claws and the beak. Yeah, it's a weird-looking octopus. You're pretty sure, though, that this killed that pig. I don't... I don't know. Didn't look like an octopus to me. (laughs) It did kind of look like a scary octopus on a worm's body. Mm, old, of course. old pharaoh always with the grasping arrow never with the seeking arrow I always told you you could be seeking it yes but I, we knew where it went we just couldn't follow that arrow even if I did know where it is oh yeah you, I understand you can't shoot around corners great okay no I can't with that arrow I can oh so you didn't use it and it would have been helpful great okay <laughs> Come along, let's go, come along. Where are you headed? I say come along, let's go, but I'm waiting for him to lead the way. (laughs) Just trying to insist a bit of power there. Yeah. Um, So you've seen the creature up close and, or up close personally, you've seen a bit of what it can do, and you've encountered that it's apparently resistant to your, uh, to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. Um... You've seen that it's an ambush predator hiding in the rocks. You've seen uh, that it likes to attack with simple piercing, bludgeoning, and slashing, but a heck ton of that damage. Um, and you've seen that uh, it's not good to be near it as it tends to thrash. Um, however, you did see that it only had tiny little beady eyes, uh, which I'll let you actually at this point, since you've seen the creature make an arcana check on what this creature was. Oh, here we go. Big money, no whammies. Uh, that's a 15 plus 5, 20. 20, wow. You, Pharaoh, uh, while Doug sits there racking his brain for types of purple worms it might be, you rattle off that this was in fact a Grick Alpha. A uh, Grick being a... Uh, 
type of aberration or a type of monstrosity that is close to an aberration. Um, a Grick Alpha. Where yeah, Grick Alpha. Um, a Grick Alpha. Yes, feel free to write this down in your book and take credit for it, Doug. <laughs> I am writing in my book. <laughs> so, uh, Gricks are uh, have the appearance of large snakes, massing like, like as big as a man, uh, if not bigger. Like, and an alpha can get as large as a cow. Um, they are close to like eighteen, or they can get as big as eighteen feet. Those ones seem to be more like twelve feet. Um, and weighed near 600 pounds from the weight with which it struck Doug. Um, it seems to be a young al- or a young Greek alpha because they can get the alphas can get up to 30 feet actually. Um, but the uh, this one you could tell there was something unique going on with it, as if it's been subsisting on a diet rich with so much metal that it's grown a decent uh, almost. It's like a thicker, tougher skin that's granting it resistance to all but the strongest of metals. Um, adamantine uh, or adamantium weapons uh, would it would not have resistance to those. Um, these are passive predators and ambush predators who lurk in subterranean areas usually, unless uh, which so it makes it strange for this one to be out hunting uh, throughout Wormhole. Although you're aware that. Um, when they are in depleted hunting territory or when they are in a uh, basically displaced from their normal territory, they will uh, start hunting. But never would they be found out in the open, like out in a, even an open cavern, uh, because they are so vulnerable in such a situation because so much of what they do re- relies on hiding in stone. In fact, they have advantage on checks to hide in stone. Um yeah, uh, you know they are semi-intelligent, but not enough to have language or understand it, but enough to be clever. Uh, a Grick, what, or however, Gricks have remarkably small beaks for their actual like size. So when they kill their prey, they tend to drag their prey away to eat it back in their lair, making it to where if you are hunting a Grick, you usually in its lair will find all of its collected treasures that it's uh, left behind from those it's killed. Like the body of root grub, a pig, and likely the two people who have gone missing here in the village. So it must have a lair of some sort that we must track it down to. And uh, so basically, you can tell that it's uh, at a high level. Its strengths are that it's highly resilient with AC 18 and resistant to, or AC 18, advantage on con saves and resistant to poison, as well as a non adamantium BPS. Um, you recall from what you know that it actually is immune to the cold used to living in such freezing environments and it is a uh, hiding ambush predator although at the same time you know that its weaknesses are adamantine weapons as well as it has sunlight sensitivity kill the fly it's terrible sunlight sensitivity okay. yeah meaning that if in the sunlight it has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks and how uh even better um so you're aware that it'd be hard to get this thing up above uh into the surface but it's possible somewhere around here might know how to uh short term reproduce like a flash of sunlight um it's not and like for like a 
basically metal refining. That's a common thing. Um, yeah, so that's what you know about Grix. Hmm. Grix alphas. I really wish that I prepared locate object, but I didn't. Um, really quick, I want to use my healing spirit to heal so we can keep moving too. Good call. Um, Get all that HP. Spirit can heal a number of times equal to one plus your spell casting modifier. Um, so I can heal four times on 1d6, and it is 20. Um, and then also I'm going to Goodberry, um, and I'm going to give five to Pharaoh. And I say, you don't know what to do with these. But... You eat them. Yeah, not all at once. They're my good ones. <laughs> not remember, you tell... remember, you got to tell it a secret before you take a bite. Say it loud so I can hear in these tunnels. Oh, the final thing about the ecology of Grix I didn't share. They are, they are biologically always hungry. They can't satiate their hunger no matter how much they eat. We should feed them some of these good berries. Maybe it, not. It might be satiated finally. I think I have my bad berries here too. <laughs> Magically satiate the uh, Grix so it doesn't attack you. <laughs> it's a pretty good idea. Um, do we know what these mines were used to dig up? Uh, Doug, you've been here long enough that you're aware. It's basically, it was mostly bronze in this area that the dwarves were digging. A lot of the mines were abandoned because they proved not very rich. Uh, people thought, hey, look at basically free mine because the worm had dug it. Uh, the worm who had popped out had dug a giant hole. So people figured we could go down deeper, find more item or find more uh, wealth pretty quickly. But it was soon revealed that most of the mines are empty. Really only the bronze hounds uh, turned out to have mines of any kind. In fact, you've heard that most of these, uh, most of the dwarf clan holds here have uh, bricked over their family mines. Everyone but the bronze holds have bricked over their family mines. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these are mines that we're in this yeah. portion. We are not in Wyrm. No, uh, you're, okay. no, you know that the, so the, yeah, the, the main hole that worm hole is set in is a worm dug hole. But the rest of like the periphery mine or uh, caverns around it are basically uh, dwarf dug. Okay. Um, dwarf dug, that's you. Uh, <laughs> so Hello. you're aware that the Grick Alpha is out there. Uh, you almost bloodied it with your uh, arrows and your, uh, your flaming sphere did a lot. Um, Pharaoh's proposed tracking it down to its lair. However, as I described, these mines are pretty easy to get lost in. It could be waiting anywhere in those mines um, to ambush you again. Um, so just wandering through the mines isn't a good strategy for finding it. There's got to be some sort of trail. Yeah, I don't know if my stone cunning can see any types of like comings and goings, you know? So like, it doesn't... It doesn't yeah. seem to leave any uh, trail like that, but you're aware that uh, it does drag its victims back to its location. So likely there might be biological trails left about if you okay. find one of the points that it brought back its victims. And recall that you entered this chasm through a brand new created hole. Mm -hmm. Not a hole it has been using. 
So we can assume that the Iron Braid Man wasn't drugged through a three-inch hole in the wall, which is interesting. No, he was murdered. Murdered. Did somebody say murder? You haven't inspected the site of where the Iron Braid Man went missing from. Oh, yeah. You actually showed up and an earthquake happened. (laughs) Bad news, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, I should have told you, we got to be in here, you know, for a couple hours if you want me to put you back through the wall. So I think we might as well just, you know, putt around over here so we can figure out. uh, What if we uh, find an entrance to the mine and then work our way back in from there? Do you have a Do you have a torch? Maybe it won't jump us if we have fire. Um, I don't usually carry one on me, as you know. I have the the elven sight. Uh, I don't have a torch on me either, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, do you not Do you not have a control flame? Control conjure flame? flame? No. Conjure remember, we did uh, cantrip versatility, and I had switched it for frostbite. That's ironic. Uh, <laughs> I have a candle, <laughs> but I don't know how I'd light it. So uh, the two of you have dark sight, though, so you can try to uh, follow the uh, cliff walls. I'll let you make an investigation check. Normally, I'd say with disadvantage, but Doug has that sweet, sweet stone cunning. Um, so I'll let Doug, if he's leading the way, make an investigation check to try and find your way out of or to a. Uh, an exit from this mine that basically leads back into the dwarven stead. Okay. Uh, 12. Nice. Uh, Doug, you spend a while searching. It is a tiresome process. Um, and it gives the Grick time to short rest before you manage to find a way out. Um, so the Grick has managed to heal itself back to full, but the two of you do manage to find a way out. Uh, it's shocking to you what you discover, though. Um, it's actually the way out, by the time you discover it, um, the the indicator that you follow is Pharaoh's keen elven eyes. Notice blood dripping, uh, or old blood stains on the ground in, inside the tunnel. Following them back to their origination point, you find that a fissure is had been opened up into an office. And as you enter into that office, you quickly discover this to be the office of uh, this to be the office of uh, of Backham Ironbraid, the uh, dwarf who had gone missing from the Ironbraid house. The fissure was hidden within the fireplace, so anyone who walked in here didn't notice that there was a three foot diameter hole gaping into his office because it was up in the fireplace. Um, while his office has been tidied up since his uh, attack you uh, and his disappearance, you do see a few like signs of struggle and broken things where it becomes clear to you that this monster must have wormed in here while he was working at his desk, attacked him, and then dragged his body back out. You do, so you realize you can follow that blood trail that you've just discovered and hopefully get back to the monster's lair. However, you, uh, you know that it's had enough time to rest. So if we we know its tactics, we're smarter now. Do you make any preparations for that? No. <laughs> we Just don't? no. Um, in Ironbraid's office, uh, Book of Matches, Flint and Tinder, 
torch sconce on the wall. Can I do some sort of check to locate some items? What are you trying to do? I uh, just want to bring some fire with us. Uh, oh. My, yeah. Yeah, he has a, we'll say he has a torch sconce burning on his wall. Sure. Okay. Uh, Miss Iron Braid, I'm going to borrow this by. What? <laughs> Pharaoh, put me put me back in the chimney, quick, quick, quick! quick. No, you're no. I'm not going to be stranded in here. Dealing All right, with I'm this. climbing. I'm climbing. <laughs> you realize yet yeah, the chimney's a big enough hole. You don't need to be uh, stranded in here. Um, Wait, do you have any supplies in our we- <clears throat> in your wagon? <laughs> Doug, kind of touched by that for a second. Oh, Will. You know, we could go look. I was meaning to tell you, too, before you go, you should go see Elijah. He's not doing so well. Oh, no. You're referencing Elijah the horse, right? Yeah, Yeah, I'm sorry. For the listeners, um, we have a donkey named Eddie, um, Eddie Murphy, and then we have a horse named Elijah. I never realized it was Eddie Murphy. (laughs) Donkey. Uh, but yeah, we could, I mean, we could go see what I got in my bits and bobs, but the more time we waste, you know, this thing gets stronger. That is fair. I think, I think we have what we need. I was just hoping for like a, maybe a flask of alchemist fire that I could dip my arrows into or something. It's a cool ass idea. Uh, if we short rest, I can switch. Can I switch spells on a short rest? No, it's a long rest. Yeah. Wait, is it? Uh, does Cantrip Versatility let you switch? No, or, it's or, when you, you level up. Yeah, but I have a prepared spell that is those fire arrows. Oh, and that one's dope. You could long rest if you want. You know how to track this thing, and it's likely not going to mop up the blood. It's just okay. possible somebody else will get attacked before uh, the night is through. What do you think, Pharaoh? We could ask Miss Ironbraid to stay with her to protect her if she's this close to the lair but runs the risk of someone else dying. I think that's a risk. Mm. Well, they're going to take. I mean, maybe we could, if it if it comes through here, maybe we could catch it unawares if it attempts to come out this way. Oh, use Miss Iron Braid as bait. Yes, the classic. Hey, we used to use animals all the time as bait. <laughs> Um, that's true yeah I'm open to it I don't think Doug I'm a hero I'm a monster hunter but if something happened something happens I'm a hero I'm a monster hunter no we we never used to put people willingly be in danger we would go now you're right you're actually right but have things changed over the years we would go now we never we strike while the iron's hot Pharaoh, just put uh, put cloth around here. We'll dip them in. So you just got like one or two of them prepped, ready to go. I'll carry one as a torch. Yeah, that'll work. And when I'm out of those, I can get in close and absorb some blows while you lob some fire at it from a distance or something. Uh, aye, yes, yes, yes. And Doug, you're at 52 HP now? Correct. All right. So you're both at about. Fi- you're actually both at fifty-two. Uh, all right. Uh, 
So, do you set out to follow the blood trail to the lair of the Grick Alpha? Yes. Where it's likely retreated to lick its wounds and prep for another attack venture out for more food? Yes. Yeah. Did we have a chance to short rest as well? Uh, no, you spent the short okay. the time trying to find That's the right. uh, entrance. You could take another hour to short rest. There's a small chance somebody gets attacked. I think we might, just so I can recover a little bit of HP and action surge. Okay. I'm rolling my chance to murder dice. No one gets murdered. Hooray. We're heroes. I'm a full full HP and new arcane shots. Recover, I don't remember been so long oh they do recover okay so i have both my arcane shots as well cool you spend hit dice if you want now i did looking uh, at doug he's at he's 21 short of full uh yeah, so, i'll just spend one i got 11 well no i'll spend two i'll spend two. and 11 so another 22 that's fine all right um so you're at full right uh, yeah, 52 plus 22. Yep. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, so Doug is at full and you follow. The, so I need from you guys a uh, who is leading your expedition into the cave? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. It's going to be a survival check uh, or investigation. Your call to follow this uh, blood trail back to the Grix lair. I'm like uh, right behind him with the torch. I'll do a survival. Goddamn, rolling hot, baby. 23, survival. 23. Wow, it does not take long for you to navigate your way there. And also, I assume you're leading the stealth check here? Yes, stealth check as well. All right. Uh, that's only going to be 26. 26. Do you want a pass of that trace here? I don't need it. Okay. Well, but Doug also has to make a stealth check. Oh, that's true. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, for your sake. Uh, what do I have in terms of... I've been burning too many spells. I'm not going to do it, but I'll make a stealth check. Okay. I, also, I forgot to roll with advantage. Um, uh, so actually, I got 29 on my stealth check. I got an 11. All right. And actually, if you want, because I assume you're following Pharaoh's lead, I'll let you use follow the leader. Basically, uh, you can use Pharaoh's proficiency instead of your own. Um, as far as I'm aware, uh, Pharaoh, you're an expert in stealth, right? That's true. So basically, you'd be using still your own dex mod, but you'd be adding uh, double your proficiency to that score. So instead of double 11, my proficiency, double yeah, it's you have the same proficiency. So yes. Okay. So for example, your proficiency is like the plus three bonus component. The ability modifier is oh, one. That's component. where I always get confused. There's your skill modifier that is comprised of your proficiency bonus and your um, whatever it's okay. called. In that case, modifier. it's an eight. Or no, no, it shouldn't 12. be able to go down. It was yeah. an eleven, right? It was an eleven. I was looking at my. Roll and so before. you're increasing your, your, you're basically just adding plus three to that. Oh, I can't do math. Fourteen. Please 14. edit this out. <laughs> Don't believe it at all. Hold man. on, run it back, run it back. Okay, it's a fourteen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that's how you know you're a math magician. Uh, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the uh uh. uh the Grick is all tidy up in its hole. And let's see if it knows you guys are coming. In its tidy hole? Uh, you're lucky. The Grick, you took long enough to come here that the Grick was no longer on high alert. And as it's searching, it doesn't find you. Um, 
so you are you follow the blood spatters and drag marks as far as they go the blood starts to run out and you follow it farther and farther slight scraps of cloth torn bits of flesh uh it leads you farther and farther down a cave um as you go farther and farther down finding more uh discarded corpses and wreckage you find that there's animals like bodies like remnants of them that likely haven't been reported you find that there's detritus in this old abandoned mine and as the uh as you round a corner you witness the site of the grick alpha's lair uh notably it has a tunnel entrance that's or like it opens up into a large cavern maybe uh let's see how far away this is a large cavern about um 55 feet in diameter a collapsed stone structure kind of is riddled early littered throughout the place clearly destroyed in the earthquake what this structure that was built beneath the uh or deep within the mines beneath all of wormhole was at one point you have no idea however it's a uh, origin point is uh, or it's the thing that was built on top of is pretty evident as there is a gaping black pit at the heart of the room that from which impossibly cold air pours out of and doug as a uh, as a dwarf you're immediately aware that that deep dark pit at the heart of this chamber goes all the way down into the underdark the massive series of tunnels spread throughout the world from which from whence things like giant purple worms are uh, burrow forth however it looks like the uh collapse of that stone structure that was built all over that uh tunnel to the underdark has blocked is basically barricaded and blocked and filled in that tunnel just enough that this Grick is unable to get its way back through. Clearly, this thing didn't want to be hunting in mines, but unable to return back through that tunnel into the Underdark due to the earthquake, it's settled on hunting in the mines and eating uh, dwarves as it can. You realize all of this in a flash as you step into the chamber and look around to see if you can see the Grick. It hides as a reflex but you don't know if it's uh, or it you you don't believe it knows you're here yet. Um, is anyone's or what? Go ahead and make perception checks as you step in. The DC to beat is twenty five. Man, I feel bad for how well I'm rolling. I got um, twenty seven on my perception. <laughs> Can I choose not to go in? <laughs> uh, Pharaoh, you step in. And you realize that hanging at the uh, top of this chamber, and the chamber is only maybe 10 feet tall, uh, hanging over that center hole in the top of this chamber is the Grick Alpha coiled against a stalactite uh, and almost perfectly camouflaged with the stone around it. It clearly is not aware you're there as it rests there waiting for its next hunt. And it seems to be as something in its tentacles that it's lightly chewing on. Is it the pig? It is pig bones. Oh. What do you do, Pharaoh? Fer- you undoubtedly quietly alert Doug, or do you use him as bait again? I'll, like, stop again and, like, kneel on the ground as if I'm, like, picking something up. And then I'll write in the dirt uh, um, in our old language that we created together. Oh, right, because Pharaoh can't read. <laughs> so he's we, got uh, his own just sign sign language that was a big part of you becoming rogue too um, so it was a thieves can't that you were teaching me mm-hmm. 
but like danger ahead <laughs> basically is what I write like the symbol for danger ahead wonderful uh, so Doug you're alerted to the Grick uh, the two of you are there it doesn't know you're there so you guys are going to go ahead and get a surprise round on it Doug what would you like to do um, I am going to let me see the distance on Flaming Sphere. And it's currently 10 feet off the ground. Okay. Um, a five foot diameter sphere appears in an unoccupied space of your choice within range and lasts for the duration. As a bonus action, you can move the sphere up to 30 feet. So my question for you is, it says when you move the sphere, you can direct it over barriers up to five feet tall, jump across pits. That's a good question. Um, no, hold on. I, my question is, any creature that ends its turn within five feet of the sphere. So I have to use the ram effect. I was trying to work out in my head if I could wild shape at the same time, and obviously I can't. So um, That's ironic because your circle of the moon and this one's a bonus action. Yeah, yeah. My action economy is a little hokey on turn one. But since it is a surprise round, it's still great. Um I'm going to do another third level um, Flaming Sphere and ram it into it. So DC 14 deck save. All right. Suddenly fire explodes next to the Griff. Griff crashing into it. I got an 11. Uh, so the flame awesome. sears into the Grick Alpha. Roll damage. 13. So 26 fire damage. The Grick cries out in surprise. Uh, do you have an action you're taking? Um, no, my action was to cast spell. My the bonus, bonus action was to okay. shift it. So right. um, I'm going to move. I haven't entered the cavern yet, so I'm yeah. going to continue to block this door. All right, so you stay in the mines, blocking the path out. Pharaoh, what do you do? Is there any way... The sphere is next to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is yeah. there any way I can shoot my arrows through the sphere? Yes, because it's cool as fuck. Oh, so hell. yes. <laughs> cool. Am I also hidden? Uh, you are currently hidden, yeah. Okay. So I will take minus five to this attack with Sharpshooter. No worries. And with Elven Accuracy, that means I get to roll 3d20. Oh, yeah. And I will say this doesn't light your arrows on fire enough that all of the damage is fire, Mm -hmm. but I will say it ignores the resistance that it has to your piercing. Okay, cool. Okay, 214. Reroll the two. Like you're superheating them enough that it still sears into it. So, uh, 18 to hit. 18 to hit. It's a direct hit. The arrow flies, coursing through the flaming sphere, stabs into the Grick, who screams as the scalding thing uh, stabs into it. It lets, like, its tentacles flailing, its beak chattering. It's letting loose almost like a, a parrot screeching sound uh, as, it's, as it cackles its jaw together, or its uh, beak together, its tongue flailing wildly. As, yeah, Pharaoh gets on, like, one knee and, like, aims his bow sideways like seeing where the Grick is and then measuring how big its body is and then aims through the flaming sphere while also uh, running my hand along the bow and some of the elven runes glow as I'm also using a grasping arrow oh hell yeah so this is going to do here's the bludgeoning damage or piercing damage it is uh, 7 plus 6 plus Four plus ten, um, 13, 17, 27 piercing damage. Ick. The arrow stabs in terribly, almost bloodying it. And then uh, four poison damage, but 
two, two poison damage. So, still not bloodied, but incredibly wounded. And it has that, uh, or it takes damage if it moves, right? Yes, and its speed is reduced by 10 feet as the arrow pierces it, and then the arrow kind of, like, explodes into vines that wrap around it, like thorny Super brambles cool. that wrap around it. All right, he's got. And then I will attack again. This time I assume I'm not hidden anywhere. Cause I no, am. you've revealed yourself. <laughs> uh, so just a regular attack for that's going to be 11 to hit. Not a hit. Soars and thuds off its tough skin. Uh, I'm going to action surge. Okay. Uh, this time for 28 to hit. And it can't use any of its reactions that I set up for it because it's a surprise round. Uh, 28's indeed a hit. Six piercing damage. Another arrow and, through the flame. And 11 to hit. All right. The uh, Grick is bloodied now. Uh, are you finished, Pharaoh? Uh, yeah. Doug, it's your actual turn now. Uh, the thing is no longer surprised, so it will be taking reactions and villain actions this turn. Okay. Um, then the first thing I will do is ram my sphere into it one more time. All right, the fire. So another DC 14. The fire sears into it. I rolled a 15 this time. The Grick dodges the worst of it. Is it still half damage? It is half damage on a six. So you dealt, you rolled six? No, I rolled 12. Half damage oh, on a six. So then 12 oh. is vulnerable, yeah. All right, uh, the Grick cries out in searing pain. Are you finished, Doug? No, you still have a no. move. Nay, I am not. I am going to turn into a giant constrictor snake. Form of a giant constrictor Form snake. Form of snake, Doug. Uh, I am a giant um, orange-spotted python to match my red-orange hair, and I have a beard. All right. <laughs> Doug's a snake. And snake my... in the grass. All right, Doug turns into a snake, uh, and that's a large creature or no? Uh, I'm checking, I'm checking. I am a huge beast. It's a huge beast? Yes, yes. That's ridiculous. All right, you are a giant fucking snake. Uh, the uh, the Grick turns in that game. How much HP does the uh, giant constrictor snake have? 60. 60. Um, well, actually, sorry. At the end of your turn as a villain action, the Grick is going to uh, climb into one of those, another one of those porous tunnels nearby it, uh, scrambling down, disappearing from sight. That does make it take 2d6 damage from... Uh, from Pharaoh. <laughs> Nine piercing. Nine piercing? Uh, four piercing. It scrambles down into one of those tunnels, and then come its turn, it tries to break free of the uh, thing that's dealing damage to it. I got a critical, so it does break free of your uh, constricting arrow, and you can hear it moving somewhere beneath. It didn't attempt to hide yet, but as a bonus action, it oh, it failed. Alright, so you can hear it moving in the tunnels beneath you. Basically, you could ready an action to shoot down or stab down into one of those tunnels if it pops up underneath you, but it seems hit or covered enough that it'd be really hard to attack it down there without it having plus five to AC. Um, Pharaoh, what do you do? There's a giant constrictor snake around you named Doug. Mm -hmm. Oh, damn, I was going to ask Doug a question, but he <laughs> can't answer in snake form. But um, <clears throat> You can talk at me. I can still understand you. Yeah, uh, the hole to the underdark. What what does the cover look like? What's like, is it just it's like, like, rubble? like rubbles buried on top of it? Yeah. 
how, like, could I get use an action to maybe guesstimate how long it would take to clear an opening in it? It would probably take about five minutes to clear it without any sort of major force. Okay. Like, for a man moving stuff around. You can tell the Gricks tried to, like, smash into it, but not been able to move it. Okay. Damn, if the Grick can't do so it. So possibly, it, yeah. Yeah, if you were able to spook the Grick off, you could then clear it out so it could get back through there. But if you're able to spook the Grick off, at this point you're blocking its escape from its lair, so you might as well hunt it down. Yeah, I was just like, man, what if we just let it go home? But instead, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Instead, I'm going to use a seeking arrow and just cool. shoot an arrow into one of the holes. And the, nope. the arrow will find will find purchase, maybe. Uh, it must make a DC 13 deck save as I just shoot into one of the random holes. I rolled a 15, 12 plus 3. So it takes... The half of the damage of my arrow and 1d6 force damage. Okay, uh, roll the d6 force separately because it's yeah not resistant to that. So you shoot the arrow down. You hear the you hear like a tussle as the Grick tries to dodge it beneath the ground. It scrapes by it but doesn't deal all of it. That's so cool that you don't need line of sight for that arrow. Yeah, and if I do hit it, it reveal I know its location. It's cool as shit. Um, so it's going to deal. Uh, 12 piercing, so half that, half of that. So three. And then, ooh, no, no. Half of six force damage. So Alright. Uh, the Grick is incredibly wounded, but not dead. It also cannot escape for Doug and Pharaoh are blocking the entrance. Doug, what do you do? Um, actually, Pharaoh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Doug, what do you do? The Grick's somewhere beneath you in the tunnels. You can hear it moving around like in the small tunnels. Now that you're a giant snake, you could fit in those tunnels just fine. Oh, I can? Yeah, Even if you want to go there. I'm a huge beast? Yeah, you're because your snake shape is actually tunnel-sized and appropriate. So you oh. could squeeze into there, I'd say. Yeah, I'm a tunnel snake. Well, if I, if I lose out of my shape, then it's like, uh, no, nah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. All right, so as a snake yourself, you squ- you move your way down into the tunnels? Yes. All right. I find it? You search around there. It's not hidden down there, so you very quickly find it in the tunnels down there. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to try and constrict it. All right. Uh, I got to roll the thing. I'm sorry. It's been so long that uh, I can't get around the table quick on one of these guys. Hey, at least you're not summoning eight beasts <laughs> doing this with eight beasts uh 21 to hit on the constrict 21 to hits indeed a hit and it is 2d8 plus four bludgeoning damage roll it and that is eight damage i didn't have it this time four confusing. yeah leave it for me um oh that's not right um, you uh, you're, you slam into it. Does that grapple it automatically? Yes, the target is grappled. Escape DC 16 until this ends. The creature is restrained, and the snake can't constrict another target. All right. It thrashes in response to that, now with disadvantage as it's restrained. Uh, so its tail strikes into you for 16 to hit. That's a hit. Uh, its tail strikes into the other snake for, uh, ooh, gosh, 15 other bludgeoning snake. damage. You. The oh, other that's me. Yeah. 15 <laughs> bludgeoning damage. Worse. As you uh, burrow your way down in there, um, 
you realize that there's small fleshy pot or like small like cocoons all across the wall that suddenly burst open as a larva swarm of Gricks. Oh no. And you are now down there with a larva swarm of Gricks. God. Okay. Um, 17 on my con save for my flaming sphere. Can I move my flaming sphere 60 feet into this tunnel and hit it? It's only 30 feet, isn't it? You still Um, could, but yeah. uh, Let me, I think it's 60 feet. I want to read this. Ryan, edit this out. Yeah, no, you're right. You can move the sphere up to 30 feet. Can I smash it into it? Yeah, you could try. Okay. You can try. And then I want the sphere to end. Can the sphere end its location on the larva too? Are you? So are they a five foot diameter? Any creature that ends its turn within five feet of this sphere. Okay. Yeah. Mega dexterity. Yeah. So you you have it. The flaming sphere moves its way down through the tunnels, searing into the Greek Alpha. Uh, And uh, the Greek Alpha has to make a save. Yes. DC fourteen. I rolled another natural sixteen plus three, so nineteen. Fudge. Okay. Uh, ten damage. So, so five. five yeah. So Grick, ten damage. If and it's, it's a ten. Yeah. The Grick is incredibly wounded. Uh, the larva swarm is out there, and uh, then it is. Uh, the, so the larva swarm trying to get away from the fire. Uh, they immediately try to bite you down in the uh, or they like, climb onto you, Snake Doug, uh, squirreling their way across to you and starting to bite Snake Doug for twenty-one to hit. Is a hit. Um, you're gonna go ahead and take. You take uh, 15 piercing damage as these uh, as these Grick larvae tear and bite into your snaky flesh. Um, so it's a good amount of damage you've taken so far, right? Um, and uh, as yeah, the... I'm at 30. Okay. Um, as the Gricks have basically, or the Grick larvae tear into you, the Grick Alpha. I'm going the wrong order. Uh, the Grick Alpha then um, uh, having you down in here, you've grabbed it. It can't escape. It can't do any of its shit. Uh, it attempts all of its attacks on you. It's uh, it can't tail you, but it does bite you with its tentacles for 18 to hit. It's hit. Oh, it's re- it's actually restrained, so actually that's uh, 10 to hit. Its tentacles do not bite into you, meaning it can't attempt to beak, and its tail thrashes for. Only nine to hit because you restrained nice. it. The Grick misses both of its attacks, um, and uh, it then does attempt to disengage, but can't get away from you as a bonus action. Pharaoh, there you look over in the room, and all you see is occasionally like whack-a-mole as a Grick pops its head out, <laughs> screeching, and then a snake pulls it back under. A swarm of larvae pile out. A flaming sphere rushes by. The Grick, at the end of its turn, screaming as it's burned because Doug conjured a flaming sphere, grabbed the uh, Grick, and then is holding it in the fire. Doug, roll damn, or what's the save it makes from the flaming sphere if it ends its turn next to it? Um, Same thing, DC 14. All right, I again saved it. We had another natural 16, but it still deals damage. It's vulnerable, so it's still full damage. Okay, and I rolled the wrong spell level just now, so 13 damage. 13, so it takes full. Wow, this Grick is incredibly wounded as it's uh, dying there in the uh, in the cave, thrashing wildly to try and kill Doug as best it can. Pharaoh, what do you do? Um, are the larvae emerging from the tunnels? Uh, yeah, they're on the back of Doug, so you can kind of see them as they're popping out. Uh, I'm going to hide, and then, oh. well, first I'm going to tell Doug 
drag it out so we can finish it off. And then I'm going to hide. Oh, that's a crit miss, but <laughs> Cloak of Elvenkind, 25. That's super hidden. I'm a ghost. Uh, that's my turn since I'm only rogue level one. That's my action. Gasp. Uh, Doug, you uh, Pharaoh called for you to drag it out. The Grick Alpha is there in your hands. Do you dra- The swarm is biting you. Do you drag the Grick Alpha up? I do that thing. All right. Doug drags the Grick Alpha, the swarm moving with him. You drag the Grick Alpha up out of the tunnel. Like Basically, you're wrapped around it. You poke it up. Imagine you're sticking up out of one tunnel hole, and then you're connected through that tunnel, and your tail's poking up another tunnel, and that's where the Grick is being held prominently in the air, its face forced into the fire. Do you have the fire smash into it? Yes. This time the Grick failed. They got an 11. I do that thing. Uh... So you uh, force the fire forward. Six damage. Six damage. The Grick takes 12 damage. It is incredibly wounded as that fire burns it. The larva desperately bites into you. And also you should be making concentration saves all these yeah. times you've gotten attacked. Yeah, I have been. Oh, I didn't on. Do I make con saves when they miss? So. No, just when you take damage. Okay. Uh, I, I passed the one, uh, the first one. But I still haven't... That was my bonus action to move it. Because oh, I really? want to... Oh, yeah, yeah. movement and bonus action. Yeah, what, what are you doing with your action? Um, I am going to... Well, I'm maintaining the constriction, but can I, like, continue to... Coil? Oh, no, I can bite it. So the head, like, reaches across, and my tail leans in, and I try and bite over the top of its head. Dope. Um, Do it. Uh, 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 one second. I'm so sorry. Plus six to hit. Roll a d20 ski. D20 ski. Um, 21 to hit. Oh, yeah, that's a hit. And that is 2d6 plus 4 piercing, which is um, 8 piercing damage. 8 piercing, so 4 piercing damage. It's still yes. alive. Um, and then my turn's over. All right, the uh, the... Larva Swarm bites and tears into you for 18 to hit. It's a hit. And deals a terrible 14 piercing damage. I am at 16 HP. Snake form? Yeah, in snake form. And my con save was 19. All right. Uh, And the Grick Alpha, still unable to escape, thrashes terribly. Let's see what it does on its turn. It's going to start by tail attacking you with disadvantage because it's restrained, so a miss. Its tentacles then bite onto you, turning a crit into a 16 plus 7, 23 to hit. It's a hit. All right. Uh, snake form Doug is going to take 11. Uh, oh, sorry. That's the wrong dice. Snake form Doug takes 8 plus 6, 14 plus 6, 20 plus 5, 25, 29 slashing damages. Its tentacles rend into your flesh, uh, which I think puts you to 1 HP. No, I think I had either 16 or 14. I think I had 14. Oh, yeah, 14 yeah, yeah. minus 29, so I revert. All right, you pop out of that form, no longer gripping the Grick Alpha, turning back into Rago Doug, um, still covered in a larva swarm uh, that sits on top of you. The Grick, now free of your touch, it finishes its bite against you for 18 to hit. To hit. You're going to take... Uh, another uh, 13 piercing damage. Okay, I am at 45. 
So Doug, suddenly uh, the Grick has an upper hand against you uh, and trying to get away from that fire, it scrabbles its way across the room, uh, trying to get away from the fire, trying to hide, um, but it's gone, it stayed up above the tunnels. And uh, then it is Pharaoh, what do you do? Seeing them emerge around the corner, Doug like pop from like behind a rock and just like John Woo style two doves fly behind him as he dives in the air. Why are there <laughs> tunnel doves? <laughs> uh, as you, I shoot an arrow at the the Grick Alpha. You are hidden. That's dope. And reroll the eight. Uh, 19 plus 9 28 to hit that's absolutely a hit oh shit I should have taken minus 5 of this but I didn't um, 6 plus 2 plus 4 is 12 piercing 12? damage 12 piercing damage the arrow sinks in even with its resistance you can tell you've slain the Grick the arrow sinks in and the Grick throws its body back its tentacles swinging wildly its tail thrashes breaking against the ground and as it does it strikes hard against the stone this room already so unstable as the uh, as it strikes the wall you hear a quaking and look up to see stones falling collapsing from the air as the grick dies both of you need to make a dc 16 dexterity saving throw as these stones collapse down onto you uh, 11 12. A failure suffers 6, 9, 12. Wow, very low. 15 points of bludgeoning damage. A success is 7 points. Uh, the rocks hit and buffer you, uh, and not driving you to the ground unless you failed. And uh, there's the Grick Alpha is dead. The larva swarm still bites and tears at Doug. Doug, do you, what do you do to the larva swarm? Uh, I'm on the ground, so I stand up. Is that an right. action? No, it's no. half your movement. So you, like, force your way back up, still larva all over your face, like giant leeches tearing and biting at your flesh. Um, I ran... Oh, I need to make a con save for taking that damage. Got a 17, and then I'll go... Did you pass on. the one from taking the 29 damage? I didn't roll in there either. Let me roll in there, too. It's a 14. Uh, that one I lost, so I did lose my concentration. All right, you look up. You've no, you no longer have the flaming sphere available to you. Uh, and uh, there's larva all over you of Grick. Okay. Uh, just to be badass and Pharaoh hasn't seen it, I turn to a fucking crag cat. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> all right, with a howl, you turn into a crag cat. The larva still all over you. And like a mad cat, you start tearing into these. Yes. Yes. Let's you finally you found one. And I roar. Yeah, he doesn't know that I found one. I just do like a roar that seems to shake the tunnel, but it's the aftershocks. Pretty dope. Oh, it's kind of like the, I imagine the Jurassic Park roar. There's like the the banners falling in the back. Yeah. 16 <laughs> uh, a hit. That's absolutely a hit. Okay. 1d10 plus 3. 9, nine damage. Uh, you rend and tear into these uh, larvae who were hardly any HP at all. So, as you rend and tear into them, the larvae die. Uh, the last of them torn and bitten and ripped apart. Uh, the room partially collapsed. And your both of your attention as you take a breather and confirm the Greek is dead, 
realize that as the Grick thrashed and smashed against the wall, it loosened the uh, hole to the Underdark. Ruh-roh. <laughs> Nothing climbs out. But it would be a good time for a boss fight to climb out. Uh, but you're aware there is now a loosened hole to the Underdark. But the Grick is dead. Um, after a quick inspection of the area, you do find the remains of two dwarves. Uh, and you do find the remains of one hog, confirming that uh, the Grick did indeed come up from this Underdark hole and was the hunter in the town. Or was the monstrosity haunting this town? Um, you salvage what parts are valuable from the Grick. Its tentacles are actually considered a delicacy in some places. And uh, there was another part to it where uh, things like Grick eggs are considered, uh, like, are served with uh, rice pilaf, basically, as a uh, additional meal. Um, but... Um, it had, like, fangs? Or, like, it, it, teeth Yeah, like, and- weird hook jabber things. Uh, I'll grab one of those and then I'll quickly fashion it into an arrowhead and then it's dope as shit. put in an arrow and then open my arrow case where I have all my other trophy arrows from our past hunts and then close the arrow case. Are um, the Iron Braid and the Brenhole people, are they like too mangled to bring their bodies back? Would their family appreciate that? or is You it... wrap them in cloth from some yeah. tattered cloth in the area and... Uh... Yeah, if you're still the Craig cat, I'll yeah, do you that. saddle them over the top and bring them back. Yeah, yeah. nice. Uh, it's able to be. It works. Uh, you're able to make them presentable enough. Uh, when you bring them back to the Iron Braids and the Brenholds, um, they are sorrowful to see it, but they're appreciative, as dwarves are, to know that you brought justice to their family and uh, settled a grudge before they even had to write the grudge. Um, as you return to Bronze Hound, uh, reporting that the uh, you found the one who's been killing the animals, she kind of or uh, she retorts that uh, she didn't doesn't seem to care that the dwarves died. It was the loss of that damned pig. You become aware that a pig is worth three gold pieces, and she's kind of a sucky person, um, but she is willing to part with the three hundred gold pieces she promised. Um, she pays it out to Doug and says, uh, "For you to pay your." Uh, your, and it says, ah, here's the coin. As I promised, 300 gold pieces. Now you be sure to pay your associate. Uh, and she gestures towards Pharaoh. Pharaoh, do you accept this treatment of Doug being given your money? <sighs> I'm used to it. <laughs> um, once she hands me the pouch. Oh, by the way, uh, the, the earthquake had uh, loosened up a hole to the Underdark. So you might want to figure that out. Get someone down there. Yes, you should brick up the mine if possible. Yeah. Um, surprised by that, uh, she has no, or she, or she seems genuinely shocked by that. Reporting that uh, their the the mines, many of them were bricked up because when they first started digging them, a hole to the underdark was discovered here, and so the a lot of the lesser families, as she says, abandoned their holes to the uh, under or abandoned their mines. Um, so she's surprised that those mines have become opened again because of that hole to the Underdark. Um, well, you know, there's the whole avalanches thing in the creature rocking and shaking about. That would probably do it. So she thanks you for the information and uh, says that she'll talk with the families in the conclave of clans. That sounds bad. Uh, to uh, decide what to do about it. Uh, you, however, 
your role here is salt. Um, over the next day, or like in the next day, news comes in that uh, the pass, at least down to the city to the south, uh, has been cleared, and that uh, people are able to make the travel uh, or finish like the journey that way if they are interested. Um, this gives you an opportunity to set out from here, Pharaoh, to finish your journey with your merchant, uh, to continue escorting him towards that town or towards that city. But Doug, you were here studying for a while, studying the nature of crag cats. You've now re-encountered Pharaoh, and Pharaoh probably doesn't seem super contented to travel with his uh, merchant again. Um, do the two of you part, go your separate ways? Hey, uh, can can we talk before you go? Got a minute? Got a minute? Yeah, of course. Uh, here, step step into the carriage. Let's let's have a little powwow, one on one. Of course. Doug like opens the carriage, and uh, it's reminiscent to um, the inns that him and Pharaoh have stayed at in the past, where it's literally just trashed with. With books and old food and spilled dark beer. And he's like, uh, Pharaoh, uh... You haven't cleaned this place a bit. <laughs> no, I haven't. I have not. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you. You know, it's... You know, it's a, it's auspicious we saw each other again and... You know, didn't that feel good? Just like old times? You know, what if we, we gave it another shot? And I, I pull out the coin, um, and I'm like, but, you know, this time we, we do it right, you know, 50-50. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll put put your name in my book instead of the mysterious ranger. <laughs> yeah, that would be, uh, that would be good, yeah. Um, and, uh. I don't know, you know, while well, we're in the area, we make a couple bucks, more than that merchant will pay you. Yeah. And he's uh, a human. You know how... We, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck Vin Corden. He's only paid me 10 gold. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And these other mercenaries I've had to work with, they they all suck, Doug. <laughs> how do people do it? How do people deal with other people? Why can't they just go killing monsters? It's just Is easier. Is this an anti-work? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, um... I don't know. What do you say? And I, I split out the coins, but instead of 50-50, I 60-40 and hand him the 60. Wow. That's remarkable. Yeah, it did feel good. We, It's like we didn't miss a beat. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go tell, tell this guy to fuck off and find his own way. Ooh, can I watch? <laughs> <laughs> you two head off to tell Vin Gordon to get fucked. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.